Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. First off, I want to uh, commend all of you for being here for the Holy Day. It's a great sign of your faith, and as I said on Sunday, if you're at one of my Masses, if there's an obligation put out there by the church, it's also because the church is letting you know that there's grace on that day for you. And so I hope that you can experience an extra outpouring of grace today. Also, uh, if you have any sort of social media account, be good to just flood it with saying, make sure you get to Mass for the Holy Day. You can help it so the priests don't sound like John the Baptist alone in the desert crying out. But all of us can cry out together, okay? There's a, uh, a priest who's on his way to become a saint. His name is Venerable Bruno Lanteri. And Venerable Bruno founded a religious order called the Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so they are under the patroness of the Blessed Virgin, and they have a big devotion to her. And their charism is one of teaching people to pray in the spiritual tradition of St. Ignatius, but in particular for that spirituality to be given to everyone of every age and every setting. So they go to parishes, youth groups, college, nursing homes, you name it. They really want to help the church learn how to pray. But their founder, Venerable Bruno, uh, was a man who had a very simple motto that kind of became, captured his spirituality. And it was two words, begin again. That's it, begin again, start over. Did you sin? Okay, well, don't quit, begin again. That dramatic, that intense, that simple, begin again. In fact, he said, it says in Scripture, the just man falls seven times a day. And he says, and none of us are just. So we shouldn't be surprised when we fall. Instead, begin again. He even goes on to say in one of his letters he wrote, he says, holiness in this world does not consist in never failing, but in always getting up again. Begin again. I know a family who had read uh, some books by him and they began to practice it as spouses and practice it with their kids. And what they noticed is the climate of fights didn't last as long. Are you going to stay angry or are you going to begin again? It's a remarkably clarifying question because there's something in us when we mess up where we really want to stew in it. Well, I guess I'm in time out now. You know, and no matter how old you are, you put yourself in like an emotional and spiritual time out from God and those who love you while you and I sit there and pout in the corner that we aren't perfect. And this holy man, going to be a saint, says, listen, I don't have much to teach you. I get uh, two words, begin again. This practice of beginning again is very humbling because it's that simple and it's immensely glorifying to our Father in heaven, who's a real Father and wants us to always come back to Him again. This was kind of in my heart and mind as I was looking at the Genesis story for tonight's readings on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Adam and Eve are lied to by the devil. And the lie is always this, 
He's not a father. He doesn't love you. He's not for you. He's against you. He's your rival. So you better make a life on your own terms. You better get fulfillment on your own efforts because he's not interested in helping you flourish. That's always the lie, is disfiguring the image of God. And so when Adam and Eve hear this lie and they enter into agreement with it, their hearts are full of fear. They no longer entrust themselves and they grasp the forbidden fruit. They then sin. They fall away from God's loving favor, not because he stopped loving them, but because trust broke away in their heart and they became disobedient. And now the story picks up where they're in the garden, out just outside the garden, hiding. And God says to Adam, where are you? God didn't lose his car keys. He knows where Adam is, okay? He's inviting Adam to take a full stock on, look at where you're at now. So was it really me who was against you? And Adam says the most relatable words, I believe, in all of Scripture. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. I was afraid because you could see me and I couldn't even imagine that you would still love me. And so I hid. And then he says, who told you you're naked? He says, well, we ate from the forbidden tree, that woman, the woman says the serpent, goes back and forth. And then he says, all right, well, these are going to be some of the repercussions of this. There's some consequences. But notice how within a few minutes of this, God begins to no longer just listen and talk. He begins like a good father speaking words of hope right into their mistakes. He says, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, between you, offspring, and hers. He will strike at your heel while you strike, he will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. Right away, God the Father is saying, listen, yes, things are now off. This was not my plan. But I will bring a woman into this world, and her offspring will defeat you, serpent, the one who lies. Right away, God began again. Right away, he's offering a new covenant with Adam and Eve. He's like, okay, fine. Now you'll live by promise and hope until I fulfill my promises in Jesus. But right away, he's not the one beating us up. He's not the one giving us reprimands. He's not the one punishing us. He is all in. That's what it means to be a father. He's for you. He's for me. And we see that most fully revealed in Jesus, who says, I will trust that the Father loves me so much, I won't even save my own life. I'll die on a cross. Trusting that the Father will take, may be good on his word. And three days later, he rises even more beautiful and glorious than before to reveal the Father is trustworthy. And so we can begin again. Imagine if Adam and Eve were like, well, we don't want those words of hope. We're too busy beating ourselves up. Maybe if we're mad at ourselves long enough and deep enough, then we've earned the right to come back to God. Yet what is the distorted image of God animating those places in us? Not the Father. I often find, and earlier on in my life, I was doing this quite a bit till 
Some people help me and I learn from Venerable Bruno, but I find a lot of times people may sin in small or big ways and then they kind of just stop their spiritual life until they can get to confession. And it may be days or weeks. Like, well, you know, what's the point? Well, that's not beginning again. That's kind of isolating yourself from the very love and life you need. We can begin again. We can begin right away. There's only two people who never needed to begin again. Jesus and Mary. They never needed to begin again because they always knew in the depths of their being that God the Father was the fulfillment of their deepest hopes, dreams, and longings. The enemy couldn't get into that relationship. When we say she's the immaculate one, that word doesn't always help us because we tend to think pristine doll on a shelf. I have the voice of my mom in my head going into stores with her when I was little and she would say, don't touch anything. Like immaculate, don't break, don't destroy it. You're going to mess it up. But she's immaculate because she's full of the Father's love. She's immaculate because there's no part of her that isn't loving and tender towards you and towards me. There's no part of her heart or her mind or even her body that is somehow has an aversion to you. Every fiber of her being is gracious and welcoming and delighting and believing in you and in me. She's immaculate because she's like, a, she's like in the hot tub of God's love. She's all pruny with his love for us. And so it just exudes from her. There's no, oh, I was tired. There's no, well, I've already forgiven you. There's no, I just need a minute. She's always there to begin again. And so as baptized Christians, when we begin again, we begin again kind of looking away from our own brokenness. And as we look up, we look up into an amazingly, amazing mom love and father love. Imagine a baby in a crib. When that baby wakes up, he or she wakes up into a father and mother gazing upon them with love and delight. They could have just pooped their diaper and made a stink of the whole house. But in their love, the baby can begin again. Well, you'll clean me, you'll fix me because you love me. Why do we think they won't do that when we make a mess of it? Why do we begin to think, oh, they won't fix it because they're eager to. They want to constantly cleanse us. Not because we're bad, but because we are so good in their eyes. And so on the feast day of the Immaculate Conception, what we celebrate is that there's a motherly love present everywhere God is, which means everywhere. And it's a perfect, perfect mom's love. Moms can be great, moms can have bad days, or we can have absent moms or bad moms or amazing moms. But no mom is perfect except one mom. And she's called the most gracious advocate. She's called the mother of tenderness, our lady of consolation. And there's not one blemish in her desire or capacity to love you 
perfectly in your imperfections. And so today we celebrate not only what Adam and Eve discover, that the Father's already speaking words to begin again, but also Mary. She's appearing in our lives and our hearts to begin again, so that with the love of a mother and father being poured into us, we understand Jesus, who had Mary and God as his mother and father, and we become his brothers and sisters. Amen.